A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So, just in case you haven't checked into what culture wrestling for the last 24 hours Jay Briscoe did very sadly pass away yesterday, and we did some videos, and I would implore you to check those out. But I can't just start AEW Dynamite ups and downs by going, and pretending it didn't happen. So I just want to say once again, thoughts with his friends and family. I genuinely hope all of them are okay. And fair play to AEW, because the first thing we did see on this evening was a graphic for Jay Briscoe. And I would suggest we keep all of them in our hearts. And of course, now I think the best thing to do is remember that wrestling here is entertainers and is here to put smiles on our faces. So we're just going to sit down or stand up and try and have a good time with the dynamite show that we did just see. But as a quick aside, I do want to say if we can all try and be a little bit nicer to each other over the next few weeks and months and years... I don't think that would be a bad thing at all. Otherwise, though, hello, my name is Simon from What Culture. I appreciate every single one of you that do tune in and allow me to do this. Let's take the finger of power, get the good bits up, bad bits are down. So we will start this week's episode by being very self-indulgent because as Dynamite started, I stared out into the crowd and what did I see? A sign that said, Simon, give me it up. As I always say, but I will continue to say, this absolutely makes me feel all warm and fuzzy in my tum-tum and I super duper appreciate it as I continue to speak like a child. Your wish is also my command because I'm a genie, you do get an up. Look at this. We bring down the signboard. It is up to 12 across AEW and WWE. And quite frankly... That is redonkulous. Steel Eagle versus Orange Cassidy was also our first matchup. And given the last 24 hours, this was really good. It was really silly. It was really goofy. It was really ridiculous. And I thought it was exactly what we all needed. The All-Atlantic title was also on the line. And we were told that Sanjay Dutt, Jeff Jarrett and Satnam Singh have been told. If any of you do get involved, given what you have been doing the recent few weeks, we are going to fire Sanjay Dutt. Now, it took about eight seconds before these three goobers did come to ringside. They were just going to sit there, I suppose, try and cast distraction from afar. But Jeff Jarrett almost instantly was like, I'm going to go interfere. Sanjay was like, what are you doing? Are you nuts? Danhausen was also here pretending to be a ticket inspector. And I suppose if they didn't have their stubs, he was going to kick them out of there. And then the best friends turned up and they too were sitting in the front row and eating popcorn. And I said to myself... This is pretty damn wonderful. Jay Lethal and Orange Cassidy also ran at each other at 100 miles per hour, and Orange Cassidy was doing a big dive before Jay Lethal caught him and gave him the hot shot. This is when Dan Housen decided, well, I'm just gonna hop over Barry Barricade, and I'm just gonna be Orange's manager. And I was like, damn, he wears many hats. It didn't help at all, because the first thing that happened to Cassidy is he got launched into Rita the Ring Post. I was just there chuckling away like a seal. And I was all mad, whoever booked this, thank you very much. It's also mentioned that throughout the evening, a lot of wrestlers were wearing black 
armbands that had Jay Briscoe's name on it, and I thought that was very nice. And when Jay Lethal went to do the big elbow, Orange Cassidy was like, well, I'm just going to roll around a bit, and then you're not going to be able to hit it. And he was 100% correct. It really worked too, because he was able to hit the stun dog millionaire for a near fall. But when he went for a DDT, and Jay was able to turn that into the lethal injection, once again, the piece of fruit was like, well, look, it worked before, so I'm just going to roll to the floor. He's the smartest wrestler ever. Maybe we're even more crazy because Chuck Taylor just decided he was going to pour his popcorn over everybody. And that distracted the referee because I can only presume the referee is well into snacks. And this is when Jeff Jarrett got the guitar. He was going to pass it to Lethal when Danhausen grabbed it and he started to play a tune. Somebody give this the match of the year award already. Of course, that opened the door for Cassidy to fly in with the orange punch and he got the one, two, three. And I would give this a 10 out of 10. Honestly, within 12 minutes, I just felt the glee going through my body and it reminded me, yes, this is what I want from my wrestling. A wonderful distraction and just having a good time. Getting it up. Sonja Jack was also freaking out afterwards because Satnam and Jarrett were now like, well, we're going to throw those bones. He's like, I really like my job. Would you stop? And when they realized this, Orange Cassidy was like, all right, I'm just going to wind you up. And he did his weak strikes before all the best friends walked away. Also, I do believe that was the 10th defense of the All-Atlantic title by Orange Cassidy. And that's a record. I'm pretty sure before this, anybody from all the belts was only nine. So bravo to him. But then I had this video for Kushida versus Darby Allen, which was going to be our main event later. I was like, this is crazy. How is Kushida in AEW when, yes, if you were watching on Fight TV like I was, all of a sudden the sound went really weird and it was like a robot was speaking to you. I love wrestling. And look, is it annoying? Yes. But does it really matter? No. Mistakes happen. This goodness then kept on coming too because it was the Young Bucks versus Top Flight. My word. Now, beforehand, I was all like, well, Darius and Dante Martin should win this, because not only did they win that trio's battle royal alongside AR Fox recently, but if they are victorious here, we can then do a trio's title match, and you don't have to have the elite lose. They can ping AR Fox, and the Martins can be like, well, look, we're on a bit of a tear right now, and although it wasn't successful when it came to the trios, why don't we get a tag team title shot? And why I don't want the acclaim to lose anytime soon, do I think the top flight should be the champions in 2023? The finger says yes. It's just madness to begin with because everyone was leaping around like gravity wasn't a problem when Matt and Nick Jackson used their experience and basically tied Top Flight up in the corner. It also became a massive problem for Dante because every time he tried to make the hot tag, the Young Bucks would cut him off and for a good while, they were just kicking his ass. And I was like, well, it's done. They're never going to survive. Obviously, they were. Because eventually, Dante was able to roll through an arm drag. He got the head scissors onto Matt Jackson, and he made the hot tag to Darius. And this guy, his temperature must have been 140 degrees, because he went crazy. Because he hit a Spanish fly, took out Nick Jackson with a dive, then he was taking out Matt Jackson with a crossbody. And even when the Young Bucks were like, damn it, we can't handle this anymore, we better hit the Meltzer driver, top flight just stopped him. And instead, Darius and Dante went into that powerbomb flatliner nosedive thingamajig, and honestly, the near fall on that. Nick Jackson broke it up at the last second, but I totally bit. I think he must have been annoyed about this as well, because all of a sudden Nick went flatliner, moonsault to the outside, and hit a destroyer back on the inside, when the Young Bucks hit this doomsday device-esque move, and that must have been a wink and a nod to the Briscoes. And I felt it. Darius then broke up that cover and he went for another dive, but he got super kicked in midair. So like, well, he was gone. And things looked very bad for Darius because he was about to be BTE triggered when he ducked and dodged out of the way, meaning Matt and Nick took their knees and they smashed him together. And if you ever bashed your knee, really hurts. I think a thousand moves then must have gone through Darius's head, but he's learning. He's getting better. He's understanding because he went for 
Thumbo was devastating move in all the sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up. And the ref went one, and the ref went two, and the ref went three. And I just howled like, ooh, Dalali, they finally did it. This was really put together. It was also so perfect like it was a massive deal. And the Young Bucks were like, well, how the flub did that happen given we just won the best of seven series? And as I've already said, Top Flight have all the momentum now. Let's keep that rocking and rolling giving it up. Also, bring it down, there is the roll-up counter, and it moves up to seven, again, across both WWE and AEW. And I have no problem with roll-ups. I just think they're fun. I really wanted to hit 100. The Gun Club were then out here, even though we were told it was time for the acclaimed. And they were like, look, the reason we have come out first is because the only reason Max Caster and Anthony Bowens are the tag team champion is because we gave them our dad. That was it. I was just on the floor. I love Austin and Colton Gunn. Caster and Bowens then did come out here and they were about to do their rap when the guns cut them off and you can just imagine the response to that. But Max was like, well, look, if you can control things, so can I. Audio people cut off their microphones and not only did he do his freestyle, but he also compared the guns to Hunter Biden. That was like my word. We weren't mucking around either because almost instantly they got involved in a massive brawl when who broke it up? None other than Billy Gunn, the daddy ass. And he was all like, look, this is way out of control. Everybody needs to remember who they are here. So I have two words for you. Family therapy. <laughs> now I can hear some people melting down about this, but look, especially on this episode of AEW Dynamite, there was a ton of serious stuff. And I just love that all five of these individuals are happy to be as dumb as possible. And when Mr. Daddy ass did say family therapy, I was dancing around. I love it when wrestling does stuff like this because it's just so absurd. I am giving it an up. I cannot wait for next week. And speaking of being serious, Hangman Page was then being interviewed by Rene Paquette, who don't forget is the wife of John Moxley. Ruh -ruh. That was all calm as first as Rene asked the cowboy how he was feeling. And he was like, yeah, I'm feeling good. I said I was going to beat John Moxley and I did it. I said I was going to knock him out and I did it. People should start listening to me more. And they got really interesting because when Paquette asked what was next, he said he needed to have some tough conversation and mend some fences. And if that isn't a reference to the Young Bucks, I don't know what it is. Rene then wrapped up the interview and Hangman kind of looked like he was going to ask a more serious question about her husband when he changed his mind. So this was very interesting and intriguing because you have to assume that we are going to do a round two, probably at the pay-per-view, and that's going to be twice as violent and it's going to be twice as brutal. And while we didn't really involve Rene Paquette here, this was very well put together because it made you go, huh? So now look at me, stroking my stupid non-existent beard. I want to know what is going to happen. I'm giving it up. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
it. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And then it was Ricky Starks versus Jake Hager and his hat. Dynamite made me very happy. Chris Jericho was on commentary, which I always enjoy because he is one of a kind. And of course, early on here, Jake Hagar just went, well, I'm big and strong. And he ran down Ricky Starks like he was a truck. And even after his hat had come off, he told Matt Menard and Angelo Parker, who were at ringside, to give it back to him. He put it on and he just lit up with glee. I think Jake Hagar and his hat should be the tag team champions. Ricky was not impressed with this at all, so he smashed Jake with a boot, and then he took this headwear, and not only did he put it on his own head, he did his trademark top rope walk. He really shouldn't have done, because Hagar was so mad that they all fell to the outside. When they were going at it too, and Ricky kind of slid across the ring, he definitely rolled his ankle, and that looked like it sucked, as it did when he just went flying into a Jake Hagar lariat. I mean, he beheaded him. Banana Parker were then setting up a table on the outside because they don't care about the rules. And Hagar thought to himself, well, I'm going to powerbomb him through it. When Ricky was able to fight out of this and he hit a high cross because he was like, man, I'm the babyface. Jake is a lump though, so he kind of fobbed that off and he went for the Hager bomb. But Ricky Starks, man, just kept fighting from underneath because he scored with a tornado DDT for a two. This freaked out Daddy Magic and Cool Hand and because they were like, oh my gosh, we can't have Jake Hagar lose. What does that mean for us? What does that mean for our lives? So they cut a casting destroyer distraction but this didn't work at all because eventually Starks just ran at Jake Hagar he hit him with the spear and he just pinned him and I was like well that is fantastic look at the 2023 Ricky Starks is having by the end of it he's gonna be a super duper megastar he's also basically knocked off Jericho and most of his crew although after this Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia did run down and because Rick is smart he was like well I'm not gonna hang around for that am I I don't want to get my ass whooped and we are about to tie this all together But by, I don't know, April or whatever it may be, we should have Ricky Starks in the ring going, well, Jack Jericho Appreciation Society, I beat every single one of them. So he is seriously on a roll, and I'm very keen on all of this, especially if we did get to the end of the year, and we did MGF versus Ricky Starks round two, and Rick became the AEW World Champion. I mean, why the flub not? Up. But they got a video highlighting Adam Cole's return, which was warm and fuzzy in the Tum Tum stuff. And if you go out there and read a bunch of tidbits about this, it certainly sounds like him getting back into a wrestling ring was far harder than we know. So I just want to take all my joy and give it to him. And then, exactly what we just talked about happened. Because Tony Schiavone was backstage with Chris Jericho, Daniel Garcia and Sammy Caveira, and they were so mad. To the point Jericho was like, listen, Ricky Starks, I hate you. Listen, Action Andretti, I hate you too. So now it's me and Sammy Guevara, we're taking you on next week. In a tag. Garcia wasn't into that though, because he was like, listen, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. On Rampage, I'm taking on action. So how about if I win, you ditch Sam and you team with me instead? This is when Guevara, who's in the background, was like, it's a great idea. This is what I've been trying to teach you. And if you are able to beat Action Andretti, sure, you can team with Mr. Jericho. Also, I have some brand new ring gear for you. And he had these really tight leather pants. 
I don't know why that made me laugh. Jericho then reminded us it doesn't matter who he tags with because they were going to win. And that is not what should happen, like we already just talked about. They should just keep losing and losing and losing and losing as Ricky Starks and Axel Andretti do climb up the ladder because that's what we have to do given everything we have done. And I imagine that is what we are doing. So up. And then... What are we even meant to do? For it was Bandido versus Brian Danielson, and honestly, they could have gone the entirety of the two hours of AEW Dynamite. I don't think I would have been bored at all, because they had this wrestling match that was so stupid, it should probably be arrested. I don't even know what that means. It was also kind of wacky because the crowd decided, actually, no, we want to cheer for Bandido, even though that wouldn't have been good for Brian Danielson and his feud with MGF. But because Danielson is basically the best wrestler that has ever walked this earth, he just led into it and somehow it made it even better. I mean, they were just wrapping each other up like octopuses to begin with. I was trying to keep up like, I understand what's going on here. When Brian went, I'm bored of this now. And he started to stamp on Bandido's knee. I'm sorry, but who the hell stamps on somebody's knee? They then went even faster when Bandido rolled through this thing and he locked Danielson by the arms, who then used his neck in order to power back up to his feet. And I'm sorry, I am breaking records here because I am saying sentences that nobody has ever said. Danielson then made a terrible decision because he was on the outside and Bandido just went dive, 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 dive. Although that didn't work either because when he went to springboard back inside, Brian Danielson just booted him out of midair. I was like, this is only the start of the match. What the hell are they going to do? This did allow the American Dragon to kick his ass for a while until Bandido was able to bust his face with a face buster. But this is when the chop started. And seriously, it sounded like this. That doesn't even do it justice. And of course, obviously, later on, when Danielson decided that he was going to flip out the corner, Bandido went revenge. And then he super kicked him out of midair. It's like watching some kind of superhero cartoon. But then more wrestling tennis, because Bandido went for the frog splash, but Danielson got his knees up and instantly went for the label lock. And he was so desperate to win this that when he did have it locked in, he just kept screaming, tap, tap, tap. But because Bandido wears that mask and he can't really see anything if it gets pulled up over his eyes, he started reaching out with his foot and the only reason he got out of this is because one of his tippy toes went onto the rope. I mean, what a flipping hero. There was then this amazing reverse of the 21 plex when Brian Danielson landed on his feet and that's when they just charged at each other and fell on the floor and they were both down. As soon as they were back up, Bandido was able to hit the 21 plex but Danielson was like, uh-uh, I don't care about that. And then they got into this strike battle, and I tell you, it was like playing Street Fighter, but the rule is, well, you're not allowed to block, and I'm not allowed to block, and we will just see whose energies meter is dead last. Now, I don't think there was a winner, because people were going for brain busters, and people were going for label locks, and none of them would hit, which is when, in an act of desperation, Brian just ran at Bandido, he hit him with the big knee, and he pinned him to the one, two, three, and honestly, I got up again, and I was just applauding, how do they make it look so effortless? Of course, MJF appeared on the big screen afterwards and he was going on about some gibberish that oh man you've been taking on mask max but eventually i'm going to take off the mask and you'll not know what's going to going on i don't understand a word of what he just said but i do want to talk about the fact people keep going oh man brian danielson is going to destroy mjf in an iron man match there's no way mjf can do a 60 minute match does maxwell jacob friedman not Keep proving everybody wrong. Yes, he does. We should probably just start trusting him. That was basically the idea behind what he was saying, though, because Friedman totally believes he will be able to hang with Brian Danielson. But I tell you, when it comes to this match, there's nothing else we can do. It doesn't just get an up. It gets a golden up. This is some proper top-tier wrestling talent. We then had this video with Sheeta, Tony Storm, and Soraya. And by the end of it, I was like, man, this Soraya and Tony Storm 
Who the hell do they think they are? Also, you've got to give a shout out to Sheeda here. The way she responds to this stuff is genuinely perfect. Because seriously, while Tony did defend Sheeda for accidentally throwing the kendo stick in last week, because Sarai wasn't happy about that, Storm was then, oh man, I'm sick of these AEW originals. I want to go out there and beat them up. Once again, Sheeda was like, I'm right here. Storm was also taken on Willow Nightingale later and promised to win. And when they did walk off, once again, they turned to Sheed and they were like, but you, you stay in the back. We don't want anything to do with you. I actually said to myself, well, how the hell are they not bad guys? But we'll get to that in one minute. And then we had this really cool interview because Rene Paquette was chatting to Prince Nana on Brian Cage when MGF walked up, gave them a bunch of money and said, look, I need a machine next week against Brian Danielson, but I don't care if you win. And I don't care if you lose. Just break his arm. MJF then slapped Cage and Brian was going to kill him until he was all like, oh man, you must let that hate run through you like he was some kind of Sith Lord. And Prince Nana was like, look, we just want the money. I thought this was so clever. Both bits put together. They were so good at kind of expanding the storylines and getting me interested. I'm calling this one on the fly. I'm giving it an up. And then AEW did some good ass booking. Whatever that means. Because it was Tony Storm versus Willow Nightingale, and that's right. Tony Storm and Soraya showed their true colors, and I think they're walking down the bad guy path. And it was so well thought out, too, because I spent the whole time going, well, Willow Nightingale must win this, and when she didn't, I was devastated. And if this is not building to a women's blood and guts match, where half the team is going to be AEW Originals, and half the team are going to be the Outsiders, then we are doing something that doesn't make sense to me. But it is actually going to be a variation of that. This is some of the best women's stuff AEW's ever done. Nightingale did kick Tony Storm's ass for a while too, until Tone pretended she wanted to offer a handshake when she slapped Willow right around the face. I was like, how dare she? And then, oh my gosh, Nightingale was sat on the ring apron when Tony Storm came in with that hip attack and knocked her to the outside. And honestly, who knew a hip could do so much damage? I think Sheena could smell what was going to happen, so she did come to ringside. She's like, I don't have to listen to you two, you absolute goobers. And this is when Willow got back into it when she hit this massive spine buster. I mean, that probably busted her spine. Certainly she then missed the cannonball in the corner, which allowed Storm to heat the sweet cheek music, which is the worst of all the hip attacks. Honestly, it's absolutely horrendous. But Nightingale still kept coming back into this when she absolutely murked Tony Storm with a pounce. This is when Soraya jumped onto the ring apron and she cast distraction when Tony Storm hit the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment and held the tights and she got the one, two, three. And this was genuinely my face. I turned into Sheeta. Also bring down the board because obviously it does roll up to eight. And after this, Tony Storm and Soraya started to beat the crap out of Willow Nightingale. Once again, Sheeta was on the outside going, <laughs> she was so confused by all of this. She needs some kind of MVP award. And even though it was Ruby Soho who came out to save her tag team partner, two things. One, a couple of weeks ago on Rampage, they couldn't get on at all. And two, if we're going to start putting people into categories, Ruby Soho ain't no AEW original. She's a flippin' outsider. So this is a massive up because we are just planting so many seeds here. And while you can see where it's going, it's a great direction to head in. So once again, I am busting out the claps. This was absolutely brilliant. All I really do ask is that you do get Nyla Rose involved at one point. Thank you very much. So then you got a video focused on the firm about how much they hate Jungle Boy and Hook. The absolute best part is when Stokely Hathaway was like, I can't believe we lost last week to people with stupid names. So that's it. He's the best. Takeshita's big push then continued. And it's so damn simple. Because Renee was interviewing him as Takeshita said that he really respects Brian Danielson. When he said something in Japanese and Paquette was like, huh, 
What does that mean? Takeshi was happy to translate this too, and he said it means MJF is an asshole, and I actually laughed out loud. And then my brain went, oh my gosh, this is what we should do. MJF versus Takeshita should compete in a non-title match, and Takeshita should win. Because then all of a sudden, everyone's going to lose their minds. Oh my gosh, he beat the AW World Champion. And you can do a bit of 50-50 booking when you do the rematch for the championship, and MJF wins. But we're never going to forget the previous moment, and it allows him to get higher and higher and higher. So I just thought this was so smart, and it was so simple. And boy, howdy, do I like myself some Takeshita. Getting it up. Which did indeed bring us to our main event, which was Darby Allen versus Kushida. And the absolute highlight is that the TNT title feels important again. I mean, AEW has righted so many wrongs in 2023, and they continue to smash it. Kevin Knight and DKC of the New Japan Dojo were out with Kushida, and of course, Sting was here with Darby Allen. And if you are one of the crazies, you can calm down. Because as Kushida was making his way to the ring, Excalibur did a great job in saying, well, here's who this guy is. Here's his accolades. Here's why he's getting this opportunity. So don't start going, well, nobody knows who he was. It was perfectly explained. It was almost as right away as we went through all these submissions and all these counters. Kushida flipped out of an arm drag and was able to hit the drop kick. But when they were fighting on the outside, amazingly, for the first time maybe ever, it was Darby Allen throwing Kushida into Barry Barricade as opposed to Darby Allen's head getting smashed open, so he's learning. Both guys are then going for the hoverboard lock and the coffin drop respectively, but it was far too early for that. Well, it wasn't too early for a code red, because Darby Allen hit that and he got a two. This did lead to Kushida getting out of dodge, because he's not stupid, when all of a sudden Allen dived onto the New Japan dojoists, if that's the right word. I was like, it was completely unnecessary. Around this time, Kushida also decided, well, I'm done with all this nonsense. And he started working over Darby Allen's arm because one, it ties into his finisher, but also two, given the punishment that Darby has taken this year, it probably already is a little bit whammy jammy. And yeah, after he hit the Scorpion death drop, he wasn't able to capitalize because he didn't have a limb. He still was able to hit his over-the-top stunner onto the ring apron, hardest part of the ring, but much like the commentators said, who actually got the worst of that? Because Darby's ass just went flying into the surface, whereas Kushida basically fell to the floor. Although we did just talk about the hardest part of the ring. Hang on. No, 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 I won't have it. What are you doing here? We are all sick and tired of you telling us the hardest part of the ring is the ring. But it is. No, it's not. It's the ring post. That's the joke, you absolute goober. Why do you have to cut the... Ow! I don't know why I even bother anymore. The absolute highlight of this, though, is when Darby Allen put Kushida on a chair on the outside and he went to the top rope. I have no idea what he was going to do, but he dived at the mat and somehow before he hit the floor, Kushida was able to apply the armbar. Now, the worst part was Alan just went splat as he did hit, but I watched this four times and I don't understand how they pulled it off. The timing was perfect. Kushida was then desperate for the hoverboard lock because he knew that he had worn him down too much, but of course Darby Allen whenever that, that happened. When night was all, listen Sting, here's a towel, why don't you throw it in for your boy? And he's never gonna do that to his son. So he took that thing and he threw it into the crowd. Nice memento for a fan. It didn't help Alan at all who was having his arm pulled off, but he just used all the power in his body. He got to his feet when he applied that last supper pin, which really is a cool looking move, you know. He got the one, two, three, and he is still your TNT champion. They were super best friends afterwards because this was absolutely one show that you wanted to have a happy ending on. Not like that, don't be all weird in the comments. And once again, reuniting Darby Allen and the TNT title has been a great idea. I am giving it an up. It also means that as we have entered this brand new year, Dynamite is just hitting on all cylinders. And I know people like Simon, you should find a down somewhere. Not on your flubbing life, especially on this day. 
and it is getting it up. Now, please do leave a comment below and let me know what you thought about last night's AEW Dynamite. Like the video, share the video, and subscribe. Head over to whatculture.com where we will keep you up to date with the wrestling news. Same on social media. And look, there's loads of videos on the channel. If you'd like a distraction today, that's what they're there for. My name's time for What Culture. Thank you very much for watching me. As always, you take care of yourself. I will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.